Welcome everyone to a Monday edition of Couch Potato Diary, coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. They are your one-stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary with a fantastic team ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all of your cleaning needs. Check them out online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. You can find me online on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I am at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. The music for the show provided by Wasted Talent. So, a bit of a disappointing weekend. I mean, not for me personally. Was out in Vancouver. Thank you for listening to the uh, the, the profiles that we played. Shout out to Courtside and to Just Football for those. Um, but, uh, personally, shout out to uh, Tim and Adeline. Uh, they are married now. Congratulations to them. Beautiful ceremony, beautiful wedding, beautiful weekend out in Vancouver. But from a, a sporting standpoint, extremely difficult to deal with. With the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, fantasy football has not been kind to your boy so far this year. And um, the NFL, it kind of sucked this weekend. So we will get into all of that. And then the back half of the show is all about previewing the NHL. Yes, some games are on the go now. Uh, it all really gets going tomorrow with uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning in action, the Colorado Avalanche uh, in action as well. I believe I'm saying Colorado Avalanche. Uh, I said that out loud and now I don't know if I actually believe that or not. What is the schedule for Tuesday? He says on a podcast where he definitely could have edited all of this out, but instead it's just going to keep it in. It's not Colorado, which is dumb. Uh, Tampa Bay plays the Rangers and Vegas plays uh, the Los Angeles Kings on Tuesday night. And then on Wednesday, the Avalanche are at home against the Blackhawks to get their season started. So with everything getting going Tuesday, we will have Eastern Conference previews today, Western Conference and uh, Stanley Cup previews coming up tomorrow. So, thank you all very much for listening today. We begin with the Toronto Blue Jays, who are swept in the American League wildcard series. They're just calling it the American League wildcard. Uh, I get the ALWCS would be a little much. Uh, the ALWC, probably not going to catch on in the same way the ALDS has. Uh, so, that was just bitterly, bitterly, bitterly disappointing from a Blue Jays perspective. We're not going to get too much into division previews because those are going right away. But from a Toronto standpoint, this series really was lost in July. And we talked about it at the time. And this was why we were frustrated with how the Blue Jays approached trade deadline season, because they did get better. Yes. The, the, this was a Blue Jays team that improved their baseball club at the 2022 trade deadline, but they clearly did not do enough. And I don't know if it was this front office not believing that this was the team to make a World Series run this season, or if they just weren't comfortable giving up the, the prospect capital. But I will tell you one thing, the Seattle Mariner fans couldn't give a fuck who they gave up for Luis Castillo now. That one, they, they ain't concerned at all about what they gave up to get Luis Castillo. He got them into the postseason. He got them into the American League Division Series. He has already paid off. Now, they've also already signed him, which I don't know if the Blue Jays were going to be want to do, and we will get to that in, in a second. But this is why we wanted to do more. Because, and specifically why we pointed out, and I keep saying we, I know it's I, I just, you know, it's a grander show. It's all of us, really. Um, but this is why I was pointing out, like, that this was the guy that I wanted. Not because I thought he could spin seven shutout innings in a, a wild card game against an incredibly potent offense, but you look at, you look at this, because I, I thought about, like, I wanted Luis Castillo, he goes out and pitches against the Blue Jays. Well, 
acquiring Luis Castillo just so that the Mariners couldn't isn't a good enough reason to go out and, and give up prospect capital, right? Like, it's, it's just, it's not. that 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 is a, not a smart way to do things. And I don't even think he would have started in this series for the Blue Jays, in games one and two. Anyway, he's probably your game three starter. We're probably not having the stripling Barrios conversation. But I also wonder if we would have had to. Because you look at the slide that the Yankees went on in the second half of this season. And I just, I'm not saying one starting pitcher was the difference or Mitch White is the reason that the Blue Jays didn't win. But if you could have had Luis Castillo out there instead of Mitch White kind of fumbling things around, maybe this season plays out a little bit differently. Maybe you put that pressure on the Yankees. Maybe you catch the Yankees and this wildcard series isn't even a thing that you have to consider doing. It just... And then also, along with that, the other point that I have is that it, it just feels like also um, Romano ran out of gas, Jimmy Garcia ran out of gas, Anthony Bass ran out of gas, Simber probably did too. He, they used those guys so much late in the season. And I'm wondering if Luis Castillo could have gone six innings on some nights where Mitch White went three. And again, I'm not placing the blame of the season on Mitch White. I'm placing it on Ross Atkins and Shapiro and the, the Toronto Blue Jays front office. They, they did not do enough. If they could have gone out and actually addressed the starting pitching, actually addressed the bullpen. Because again, the guys who they had in the bullpen were fine. They're just one enough fine of them, you know? And they, they relied on these guys so much down the stretch that by the time everything comes around, they just didn't have anything left. And you, you have to know that. And I get like bullpen, you, you don't want to pay for bullpen arms, except for when you get down to the end of the season and oh man, would have been nice to have a couple of extra bullpen arms. Everyone wants to sound like the smartest person in the room saying you don't pay for bullpen arms. But then when it gets down to October, oh yeah, needed a couple extra guys in the bullpen. Well, you can't have it both ways, all right? You can't just hope that a couple of your $1 million bullpen guys actually happens to break through. They didn't for the Blue Jays and they lost. Now, the other part of this, and I think this is where a bit of growing up happens for Toronto, if Bo Bichette just fucks off a little bit um, on that ball in center field in the eighth inning where, where Springer goes crashing headfirst into Bo Bichette, Springer probably makes that catch, the inning is over. We're talking about a great catch in Blue Jays history, much like we see Roberto Alomar on that floater behind first base where he makes the play on the painted concrete of the Rogers Center or the Sky Dome at the time. We're talking about a fantastic catch and we're talking about a Blue Jays win and who knows what happens in game three. Maybe we're just delaying the inevitable. I don't think we were. I think the Blue Jays get to that pitcher that the, the Mariners were going to throw out there, and I think Stripling would have been fine. But this is the over-exuberance of youth. Bo Bichette has been trying so hard to do everything, and in that moment, you could kind of see the wheels falling off, and they just needed a bit of a, hey, just do you. You know, I, I will always go back to the, the documentary on the 93 World Series team where Paul Molitor is like, hey, I, I know I could maybe win the World Series with a home run, but that's not my job. My job is to get on base and keep this line moving for the guy who can hit the home run and eventually did. Going out there and making a spectacular play, if Bo makes that, phenomenal. That is the center fielder's ball in October, the same way it's the center fielder's ball in June, the same way it's the center fielder's ball in April, the same way it's the center fielder's ball on the first day of spring training when you are doing fielding drills. That is always the center fielder's ball. You go out there and... The second the center fielder has even a modicum of a chance of making that play, you let him. So it's it's frustrating because it's like it's one of those one or two bounces. Who knows? But you don't. You have a better opportunity 
when you don't put yourself in that position if you go out and get a couple of extra arms and really solidify things. That is going to be, I think, a major talking point of this offseason for addressing starting pitching. The lineup, I think, is clearly fine. I think there needs to be maybe a little bit more consistency. And I think one of the frustrating things is one of the more consistent hitters in Lourdes Goriel Jr. was out for this series and the back part of the year. I, I, I'm i very interested to see now what this Blue Jays team does. Is there going to be that, hey, let's go out and spend? I have to think guys like Vladdy and Bo and Manoa are looking very closely at what the Braves are doing by locking up their core long-term and wondering, hey, could we get ours? Could it now be Could it now be our time to, to, to maybe get this locked in? Um, because the... It feels like there's a lot of checks that are coming due here very, very soon, and I just wonder how the Blue Jays are going to handle it. Another team that I'm fascinated in is the New York Mets. They fall in Game 3, where they just had nothing. And they are a team that needs to address their starting lineup. Um, I think they are also a team that probably has a couple of needs in the bullpen. They were talking about it on the broadcast last night. This Mets team is going to look completely different from the one that we saw in the 2022 season. Excellent year, and they just they, they just happened to choke away choke it away late. Like this is this is one of those, this was a fun year to be a Mets fan, but this has to go down as a remarkably disappointing season. And you have an owner who doesn't like to be disappointed. So I do feel like they are going to be big spenders. I can't begin to imagine the offer that they give to Aaron Judge for um in the offseason next year but I, I think they are going to be major spenders on everyone and now we are into the the final eight of the, the baseball postseason it's an exciting time baseball playoffs are always the best and i just i can't wait to see how it all plays out get caught up on everything you missed in history class with we had no idea hosted by peter klein and kim carson listen to it wherever you get your podcasts on to the NFL and the NFL Sunday slate. Pretty disappointing. So we're just going to have a couple of rapid fire um, kind of things here. First off, the Carolina Panthers fire Matt Rule. We kind of wondered if that's what was going to happen uh, in the next little bit. That has been a remarkably disappointing, underachieving team for a couple of years now. And I think you have to look at the coach as a big reason for that. I think there's clearly going to be, a, well, there, there has to be a new direction of quarterback next year. I think there's a lot of talented pieces. Like, I think this is one of those teams where a foundation has been built. Now you just need to insert that quarterback. They've tried to piece it together. It hasn't worked. Go out and get yourself a Bryce Young. Go out and get one of those exciting young quarterbacks in the draft and move along because um, they, they have a lot of pieces there. The Giants are, boy, they're an interesting team right now because I still think they're pretty bad. I, I'm not buying a lot of what the Giants are selling, um, in part because I'm not buying a lot of what the Green Bay Packers are selling. And so a win against the Packers uh, is very much Shania Twain. That don't impress me much because... There's just, there's not a whole lot there. I still don't think Daniel Jones is the answer at quarterback. And I, I'm, I'm at a point now, like the Giants are 4-1. and one, The NFC East is really good. And boy, if they, I, I don't know if they like squeak into the playoffs or what, but if this season has any kind of positive whatever for them, can you get rid of Daniel Jones? Because I, I still think the offensive line is the major issue, but then after that, Daniel Jones just isn't it. And this is the problem with not having everything built around Daniel Jones leading up to this, because we, we we haven't been able to figure out, and now they have a huge, huge decision to make at quarterback. I think you go the other way, but I also understand if you continue to win, 
what is it? They're four and one. So if you continue to win 80% of your games, it's kind of tough to turf the quarterback. But then you look, they beat the Titans, 21-20, one of the most disappointing teams of the year so far. They beat the Panthers, 19-16, just fired their coach. They beat the Bears, maybe the worst team in the league, and they just beat the Packers in London. Again, not overly impressive. They have, coming up um, to their bye, they have the Ravens in Week 6, the Jags in Week 7, Seattle in Week 8. There's a very real possibility they win a couple of those games, and they're at 6-2 and two going into their bye. And then it's the Texans, the Lions, Cowboys, a couple against the Commanders, the Eagles, the Vikings, the Colts, and the Eagles again. This schedule just never gets hard for them. And again, they could kind of just like smoke and mirrors their way into the playoffs. They could kind of be the Eagles from last year where you smoke and mirrors their way into the playoffs and then you lose by 50 in your first postseason game. And then we're wondering, well, is Daniel Jones the guy? Well, clearly look at all the winning football they played. The The schedule is ripe for the Giants to make a gigantic mistake this offseason. The Chargers made a gigantic mistake a couple of years ago with the coach they hired because all of the fun Staley things... Uh, it's run its course now. The Chargers should have lost that game against the Browns. They have, I think, one of the most talented teams in the NFL, and they are being held back. It is Max Verstappen driving a uh, riding lawnmower uh, out in Monaco. Like, it, it's just, th this team doesn't have the right guy at the helm to really unleash this team in a way that it needs to be unleashed. And it's so frustrating to watch. And I hate the Chargers. Like, that this should be bringing me joy, but just as someone who likes watching good football, the Chargers should be one of those good football teams, and they're not, and it's annoying. I can't imagine being a Chargers fan right now. Uh, impressive win for the Cowboys, but that's more an L for the Rams, who have, we, we've kind of been teetering on this, ah, oh, maybe the Rams will figure it out. The Rams better get to figuring it out, because they have looked so underwhelming to start this season. There are no big plays on offense. There's very little happening on the defensive side. And now they find themselves not in first place behind a team who's been trying to figure out their quarterback position for the first five weeks because of a monsoon and then a quarterback injury. As the 49ers start to figure it out, and they figured it out in a big-time way against Carolina, the Rams are going to fall further and further and further back. And it's it is looking like this team is a absolute shell of that Super Bowl winning team from a couple of years ago. Just a couple quick ones here. The Eagles are still very, very good and still the number one team. They will be on the power rankings coming up on Wednesday. And the Baltimore Ravens get the job done. And it's just, it is mind-boggling to me to look and see at the Bengals at 2-3 and three to start this year when we thought they had made such improvements on the offensive line. If the playoffs started today, they wouldn't be in them. If the playoffs started today, it'd be Bills, Chiefs, Titans, Ravens, Jets, Dolphins, Chargers. Oh boy, that would be the AFC playoffs. Um, in the, There's way too many tiebreaker things to, to try to figure out, I guess. The Bills would get the bye. The Chiefs, who haven't played yet today, so um, that makes this wildly unfair. But the Chiefs would be the number ones. They would take on the Chargers. Holy crap, what a playoff matchup. Uh, the Titans would get the Dolphins, and the Ravens would get the Jets um, in the game that would start the postseason, probably. And then on the NFC side, the Eagles, obviously the one seed, the Eagles, Vikings, Buccaneers, and then the playoff teams are the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Packers. Look at that at three and two. So no Rams uh, in there for uh, the, the NFC postseason picture. So it'd be the, uh, the Eagles with the bye, Vikings taking on the Packers. Oh my goodness. Um, it would be the Buccaneers taking on the Giants. See, it'd be exactly like last year. And then once again, 49ers, Cowboys in the postseason at a giant bidding war and the NFL would make an extra $100 million cash off of 
that one. So, um, overall, pretty disappointing week in the NFL, and it rounds out tonight with the Raiders taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. The music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be, and find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. It's preview time. Win totals. Uh, in this one, I guess, point totals. Over unders to preview the national. Hockey League. We start today in the Eastern Conference. We start today in the Atlantic Division. The Boston Bruins coming in. Uh, these are in no order whatsoever. Quite honestly, they're in the order that the teams pop up on when you hover over NHL on uh, the Athletic. Um, the Baltimore Bru or B Baltimore Bruins. Holy crap. Boston Bruins at 96 and a half. They have a bit of a tricky start to the season as Taylor Hall's dealing with some injuries. Brad Marchand is out for a little bit. We thought this was going to be an offseason of change in Boston, but the more things stay, the more, uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. As Patrice Bergeron is back, David Krejci is also back. I know for a couple of years I have been predicting doom and gloom for the Boston Bruins. So once again, I am predicting doom and gloom for the Boston Bruins. I like how they freshen up that top line with DeBrus going up there, kind of spread it out a little bit. I just, this team is fine for me. They're not great. Um, I think 96 and a half is a little bit high. I am going under 96 and a half for that. Um, I, I just, I think this team is okay. I think on the blue line, they're fine. I think at forward, they're, they're fine. Um, I think between the pipes, they're fine. Fine. You know, like Bergeron is obviously excellent. First ballot Hall of Famer. Blah, 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 blah. Um, same with Pasternak, although I do think Pasternak's falling off a little bit. Hall already banged up. Marshawn already banged up, banged up. The one reason I don't think they get to 96 and a half is because they're they're four or two of their top six just aren't going to play for the first few weeks of the regular season. For Marshawn, it's into November, maybe even December. So I just I don't know if they are able to they probably scratch and claw their way into the playoffs. Um, but I think it's a lot like last year where it's just kind of they're they're there. Um, and that's kind of what Boston is for me. Boston just kind of there. Montreal's point total comes in at 73 and a half. Obviously, this is the start of a new era for Montreal, as there are concerns that um Carey Price may never play the sport of hockey again, at least at a competitive National Hockey League level. Um, you you also have, again, no Shea Weber. Um, P.K. Subban retired this offseason, showing that time uh, continues to drag on and is undefeated. Um, Gooley's making the, the roster to start the season. Slavkovsky is making the roster to start the, the, the season. I'll be interested to watch Montreal this year. They might be one of the teams I play with on NHL 23 because I, I like a lot of the young pieces on this team. But this is not a good hockey team. This is, a, a, this is the foundation of a good hockey team. Absolutely, it's there. Caulfield, Suzuki, um, I like Dvorak. I still think there's something there with Dak and Dadanov. Um, Gallagher is kind of fallen off a touch. I, I'm not a fan of what they have on the blue line, and in goal, I think it's a very big problem. Um, uh, which, I mean, when you lose a generational goalie, you tend to have those problems. So, uh, 73 and a half seems like a perfectly fine win total. There's a lot of these where Vegas, I think, kind of nailed. I... 
I think this division's really good, so I think Montreal's going to be stuck playing some teams that are just better than them on a nightly basis. I'm going to go a touch under on Montreal, although that, that wouldn't be one I'd be putting any money on. Tampa Bay at 103 and a half. Once again, uh, they lose some players. This time it is Palat making his way out of town. McDonough is also done. They have late news with the roster with Ian Cole being accused of grooming and sexual assault. And so he's suspended for the next long time, maybe ever. This is still a very good team. They still have, I think, the like one or two best goalie in the world. If the aliens came down and we had Space Jam, the hockey version, I would want Vasilevsky playing for the, the freedom of the, this uh, ever-crumbling planet. But this doesn't look like a 100-point roster to me. You know, like... Um, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't. Like, Stamkos, Point, and Kucherov might still be the best line in the NHL. And then Kalorn, Sorelli, and Hagel as your second line is good. Nemestikov, Colton, and Paul as your third line, it's good. I can't, I don't care for the fourth line, but those guys work in the way that Tampa Bay needs them to work. And then on the blue blue line, your top four is Hedman, Foot, um, Sergachev, and Cernak. So this is still a very good team. It's still a really, really good hockey team. I... 103 is just so spot on because I think this team finishes like right around 100. I'm going to go a touch under on Tampa Bay. Um, just I also feel like they, they've played a lot of hockey over the last little while. And I wonder if this is the year where it dips a touch. The Toronto Maple Leafs come in with a total of 108 uh, and a half. Once again, an extremely disappointing year for the, the or close to the year anyway, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. After the disappointment of game seven, of course, um, this Toronto team, again, like, they don't go out and make a whole lot of improvements to this team. In fact, I, I think they're kind of worse than the team was a season ago. I feel weird because I'm taking just under, 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 under all over the place. But I just, I think this, I, I hate the goaltending situation in Toronto. Hate, hate, hate the goalie situation. If it works out, I want nothing more than for Matt Murray to be the goalie that we thought he was when it was so clear and obvious that Pittsburgh should um, keep him over sending... Um, over Mark Andre Fleury and sending Fleury to the, the Vegas Golden Knights, I I just I don't think that guy's there anymore. So I am also going to go under one hundred eight point five on Toronto, Florida at one hundred and five points. They obviously make the big move, acquiring Matthew Kachuk, sending Jonathan Huberto out the door along with Mackenzie Weger. They acquired Sam Bennett a bit ago, so this is a team that'll be familiar to, to Flames fans. This is still a pretty good team. Um, this is still a really good team. I think they have a tremendous goaltending tandem. Um, the, the playoffs, I think, last year kind of clouding how we, we think this team is. I, I don't love the bottom two lines for this team. Um, the, their bottom six is just a little underwhelming for me. And, and the, the blue line as well, I, I don't love. with Like, Ekblad's really good, but I, I think no Uyghur there really thinned this blue line out a, a little bit too much. I think goaltending-wise, they're going to be able to to take a bit of a step here this year, but I don't I don't love this team either, and 105 points is kind of a lot. God, I, again, I hate that I'm going under on all these, but I'm going to go under on Florida. I know with some of these I'm going to be wrong, but I, I'm going to go under there on Florida. Detroit at 84 and a half, their big move in the offseason. They made a few of them, actually. They, I think, solidified their... Um, uh, situation between the pipes. I, I I still think this team is maybe a, a couple of top six forwards away from really making some noise. But overall, I like how, how this group is situated. I don't think they're a playoff team, but maybe I'm just feeling the pressure of five unders in a row to start this thing. I'll go over 84 and a half on Detroit. 
Moving over to Buffalo, not going to have to spend a whole lot of time on this Buffalo Sabres team. They are quite bad, and I think 77.5 points is maybe a little bit more than uh, they uh, should be put at. This one is a lock at under for me. The Ottawa Senators making a couple of big moves in the offseason as they acquire Giroux and Debrinket. They have a very good top six. They have a pretty good blue line and they have an okay situation between the pipes. This was a lock of an over at 86.5 for me before Talbot went down. I am concerned about the injuries to Cam Talbot. He's going to be out a bit to, to start this season and that, that worries me a little bit more. I kind of have to go over because I went really under heavy um, throughout the rest of this division. I I do like a lot of what Ottawa's done. I will go over, but I don't feel comfortable about it. Moving into the Metropolitan Division, the Columbus Blue Jackets, they did a thing acquiring Johnny Gaudreau this offseason, pairing him with Jenner and Line. I like the top six of this team quite a bit. I, I don't love the blue line, um, and I think the goaltending situation is just okay, but 80 and a half, this is definitely a 500 hockey team, so I, I'm going to go over on Columbus. Washington at 95 and a half points. Um, again, this team doesn't make any huge moves this offseason, really. They are just, once again, a solid, solid hockey team. I, I don't think this team has what it takes to make a run in the Stanley Cup playoffs anymore, but this is still going to be a good regular season team. I am going to go over. New Jersey making a move, bringing in Palat. Um, they also bring Vanacek in to, to kind of solidify what they are doing um, between the pipes. I like this team quite a bit, actually. I, I think I'm going to go over with, with Jersey, so I'm making up for the unders in the Eastern Conference here. I'm going to go over on Jersey. I think they have a sneaky good top six, uh, just sneaky good forward depth in general. They're, they're strong down the middle. I like what they are doing. Philadelphia might end up being one of the worst teams in the league this year. I think anyone who does anything of note for Philadelphia could get traded. Um, I think this is going to be an incredibly frustrating season for John Tortorella. Quite frankly, I don't know why he took this job, and I don't know why Philadelphia offered it to him. They are going to be bad for a bit. I'm going to go under 73 and a half on Philadelphia. We're kind of racing through some of these now. Carolina at 102 and a half. They go out and acquire Pacioretty for basically nothing. They go out and acquire Burns for basically nothing. They lose Tony D'Angelo, so this team is once again likable. That's lovely. This is a stupid good hockey team. I love what Carolina has put together. I am going to hammer the over at 102 and a half. I think this might be the top team in the Western Conference. The Islanders, their total sits at 91 and a half. That, that uh, doesn't compute for me. Uh, I don't think they really improved on last year's team. I, I think that after a couple of great years under trots, um, things have kind of leveled out here with the Islanders. This one's an easy under for me. I, I am not really buying what the Islanders are selling. Pittsburgh, um, they bring the band back together. Malkin is back. Latang is back. You have a top six of Gensel, Crosby, Rust, Zucker, Malkin, uh, Raquel. You have Carter, McGinn, and Kapanen as your third line. Dumoulin and Latang, sorry, on the, the point that they had Petrie. Um, Jari and DeSmith concern me a little bit. 101 and a half, like that's basically where they finished last season at. I just think there are more improved teams in the East this year. I'm going to go a touch under for Pittsburgh, but I do like the Penguins. The Rangers at 99 and a half. They don't go out and make a, a huge big splash this year, but I, I don't know if they had to. I think just another year of development for Kako and Lafreniere and Heedle. Um, another year in his prime with Zabinijad and Panarin and Fox and the best goalie group in the National Hockey League. 
I I like the Rangers here. I like the over for the Rangers at 99 and a half. So that is your Eastern Conference preview. We'll get into how it all breaks down um, with postseason seedings and everything when we do our West preview and then our Stanley Cup playoff preview tomorrow. That's going to do it for the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, rate, review, subscribe wherever possible. Shout out to Clearwater Cleaning Solutions, your one-stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary with a fantastic team ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all of your cleaning needs. Check them out online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. You can find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk, and you can email the show, couchpotatodiary, at yahoo.com. Western Conference preview coming out tomorrow. Talk to y'all later. I'm out.